Welcome to the PreparedX podcast, your complete source for crisis, emergency, business continuity and security preparedness interviews, news, and much more. Now, your host, he creates chaos for a living, Rob Burton. Well, hello and welcome to episode 115 of the PreparedX podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rob Burton. And just before we get started, I want to let you know that uh, this episode is brought to you by the International Crisis Management Conference, the Center of Excellence for Crisis Management Professionals. And did you know that annual membership is just $99 and you get access to the video library, which has over 130 presentations, monthly webinars and discounts to a training, as well as our annual conference which is coming up in june go to crisisconferences.com for more details well today i have the great pleasure and i am joined by piali mandal uh, i hope i pronounced that uh, correct piali um, please please uh, please let me know if i didn't um who is a media trainer and a crisis communications expert uh, joining us from mumbai today welcome piali thank you robert and just before we get started, could you let our listeners know um, a little bit about yourself and your career so far? Right. I'll be more than happy to uh, share my career journey. I have quite a um, diverse career graph, so to say. Uh, as of now, I'm a media trainer and I'm a crisis communication advisor. I started my career as an investigative journalist. I tracked corporate fraud, scams, environmental um, violations, law violations. And from there, I took a mid-career break and uh, moved on to uh, get my second master's degree from London School of Economics. I intended to focus on diverse aspect of crisis. So at LHC, I studied uh, about geopolitical risks. So one of my subjects was uh, de-radicalization, which is a subset of counterterrorism and nuclear yep. arms race. So the focus was mostly to get a well-rounded view of geopolitical crisis, because that's something I saw at that moment in time. I'm really kind of affecting the corporate world as well. And after that, I started my consulting career with FTI Consulting. Yep. And that's actually the place where I got exposed to cross-border crisis, managing crisis at a large scale with a diverse team working in different time zones. So that's one place that really gave me a solid footing on that. And after that, I worked with a very small boutique communication lab called Naughty Seaton. And that's the place where actually I got a chance to apply my learnings, develop crisis training modules, and work with teams to implement and execute those crisis training modules. So, so far, I would say it's been an interesting journey. And uh, it gave me a very... Um, unique perspective around crisis. So as a journalist, I have been at the thick of things, unraveling crisis and yep. following leads to see where the crisis takes me. As a researcher in between, I dabbled with research also. So as a researcher, I was um, working in conflict zones because de-radicalization was one of my topics. And I was doing some research around that. 
So I was in conflict zones where there was heightened militancy and insurgency. So I had a view of crisis from a very different lens where crisis meant life or death. And then as a consultant, you know, I'm looking at, I looked at crisis from a very different lens where my job is to kind of mitigate those crises, manage those crises from further escalating. So I would say that I don't look at crisis from one lens now. Sure. So it's more... Yeah. It's more like a prism through which I look at crisis and the, through the refractions, I get to see the various dimensions of crisis. Yep. And that's also where AI comes into the picture and my interest in AI comes into the picture. I believe AI is also that prism right. yep. through which crisis trainers can, you know, it has multiple refractions and right. you can use multiple of those applications as a crisis trainer, as a crisis manager. And I'm really thrilled to be here today with you, Robert, to have a discussion around that. So really thank you for having me here. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. Yeah, well, thank you. And again, I appreciate you taking the time. I, I know it's evening time there uh, in Mumbai. So uh, again, you know, th thanks for joining us on early morning here, of course, on the east coast of the US. So yeah, exactly. AI, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued how it fits in to our world on the crisis management side, as it relates to, you know, we do have a, have a lot of corporate listeners um, that come in from their different roles as business continuity, crisis management, emergency management, you know, resiliency professionals on a broader scale. So I'm sure they're fascinated to hear what uh, what you've been doing in the space. So I'm going to start off with, you know, uh, basically, a, a, you know, a, a, a level setting uh, of AI. And, you know, um, you know actually, I, I think we're going to start off with what's the most rewarding parts of your career so far. I think we've been asking that recently to a couple of our guests. So before we jump in, it sounds like you've done some done a lot of work already, especially the, the geopolitical stuff is fascinating, of course. Um, so what's, what's the most rewarding piece so far? See, that would be a really different, uh, very difficult and challenging thing to pick because I have been such a diverse career path at every uh, role that I have played, every hat that I have donned or every feather that I've donned has been rewarding in its own way. Sure, of course, but, yeah. Uh, one aspect of my career that I really, really find very, very rewarding is the aspect where how I can leverage the power of words and the power of storytelling to bring in change. Yeah. And it has been constant in all my roles. Like as a journalist, I have been a conduit providing platform to people to share their stories. As yep. a researcher, I have been a chronicler of those stories. And as a consultant, I'm telling stories every day and yeah, I'm telling yeah stories every day so that's been most rewarding for me you know that uh, everyone is a storyteller everyone tells their own story but not everyone gets the opportunity to actually bring about change influence people through their stories yep. so that's one aspect i really find um, very rewarding in my journey 
Great. Well, excellent. And uh, I love the answer there. So um, I think most people in the business will generally understand the concept of AI, uh, but maybe for those that don't, or maybe those that, um, you know, uh, you know, it's all in the news right now. There's, there's this, um, you know, there's this race to, to, to get control of AI from all the technology companies. Uh, and we're seeing this in the business news on a day-to-day basis. But if you could just, you know, level set here and provide, you know, kind of a, an overview of what AI is. Right. And um, I'm really glad, Robert, that you asked this most basic question. And you'll be surprised how people these days, whenever I'm having an interaction, they interchangeably used AI, generative AI and chat GPT. Yeah, yeah. Now, all of them are AI, which is understandable, but all of them has very different capabilities. Sure. And unless you understand the capability of each of the subset of AI, like I said, like the prism, unless you understand that, you cannot fully harness the power of that tool. So let me break it down. When we say AI, artificial intelligence, what is it? It is the ability of a machine to perform any task that human intelligence can do. Now that could be decision-making, problem-solving, writing, creating artwork, anything, right? That human intelligence can do. And how it does is it develops, it it involves developing computer algorithms that analyzes a large volume of data. And from that data, it kind of looks for patterns. So what is the pattern in that data? And from there, it kind of predicts, Yeah. right? So basically it's like prediction based on the data that is already there. Now, when I talk about AI, AI is nothing new. We have been using AI for decades. Now what we hear is the alabalu around chat GPT, but AI has been there, like your uh, technology behind driverless car, that's AI. Siri, it's AI. Alexa, it's AI. Facial recognition, it's AI. Your Google search, that's machine learning, a part of AI. So AI has been there for long, and we have been using it for a long time. Now then, what is generative AI? Generative AI... AI is a subset of AI. It's just one implementation of AI where instead of just analyzing the data, it also creates a new set of data right. based on whatever prompts you have given. Right. Yep. So generative data could create artworks like Google Deep Learning. It can create artworks. It can create music. It can create uh, essays. And ChatGPT is a generative AI. So basically, it's one small subset of AI, which has been developed by OpenAI. And it's developed to kind of mimic human response based on text-based prompts. So you give them a prompt, and it gives you human-like response, right? And where all you can use that? You can use that in writing. You can use that in creating conversation, you can use that in creating text. So there are multiple uses of it. Now, again, I would say AI is the broad umbrella term wherein you have machine learning, deep learning, natural language processing, 
you have generative AI, and this AI can be classified into multiple ways. And one small subset is generative AI, which is ChatGPT, and which only and only focuses on natural language processing. Yep. So it only will respond to text-based prompts and give you answers. Yep. Okay, great. Well, I pre appreciate that. So I want to get into our field, uh, the crisis management, crisis communications world. <clears throat> and uh, based on what on your experience and your research right now, at this moment in time, um, how is AI having a, an impact on crisis management, on crisis communications? Right. So if we look at crisis, uh, if we look at AI and application of AI in crisis communication, Again, I would uh, throw up some facts. Like recently, WF World Economic Forum has recognized AI as the most important technology in managing a crisis and disaster. Yep. A recent study by Accenture showed that 91% of federal executives are either using or piloting AI-based projects. And 73% of global executives are already using AI in some form or the other. Wow. So you see the writing on the wall is pretty clear. Yeah, it's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Very clear, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, companies no longer can rely on human expertise to manage a crisis. <sighs> that's, that's, I know, true. I know that's true. That's true. Yeah, I like that. That's a great statement. <laughs> and we're going to use that. And we're going to use that tagline. <laughs> <laughs> so they need to harness the power of AI. And when <clears throat> I say that companies can't rely on only human expertise, I would like to give you a sense of what has changed. We are living in a world post-pandemic where polycrisis is a buzzword. Yeah. We haven't heard of polycrisis before. Now, suddenly there is polycrisis. And what is that? That's like overlapping of multiple crises together, sure. like the pandemic. You have a health crisis. You have a stock market crisis. You have a trade crisis. You have a war in you, Russia, Russia and Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you see, we live in a world where this is going to be the new norm. And it's not humanly possible to manage, monitor, and keep a tab on everything. And now that you have a tool, you might as well harness the power of that tool, leverage that tool. So AI and use of AI is inevitable. And gradually, we'll see many corporations integrating AI into their crisis management systems. Now, having said that, there are four or five areas where I feel from my research and uh, whatever time I have spent working on ChatGPT and other multiple open AI platforms, generative AI platforms, is that there are four or five uh, cases where AI can really come in handy and can be really, really useful. One is your faster response time. So now AI can really cut down your response time. AI yeah. can monitor social media real time. AI can monitor your news feed real time. AI can give you prompts. AI can give you holding statements in real time, right? right. Yep. So you have much faster response time than you had earlier. Yeah. The second is 
predictive analytics. And that's something that is my favorite and an area where I'm really doubling down on and I feel this is going to be the future. Like how many times as crisis communication managers or crisis trainers, we wish that we had a crystal ball to gaze and look into the future. Right, right. Now you actually have something that is closer to that. A tool that can go through historical data, that can go to real-time data and predict a crisis that can happen. Now, again, it can't predict everything. No one could have predicted 9-11. No one could have predicted the pandemic. But it can really warn you about some of the imminent crises, right? So, yeah, so some of the, I like that. Some of the lessons learned from previous historical events kind of wrapped up, if you will, into, you know, a summary of, you know, if you're analyzing different storms, if you're moving into a new region as a, as a business and you want to take a look at, you know, what are the issues around that, it can pull a lot of that data together and really give you, you know, some background information to make, you know, better informed decisions on what could possibly happen. Your plans could be mapped around that i like that that's excellent yeah. For, forecasting yeah. is the is the term that we certainly uh, we hear for for those uh, in the risk intelligence space right right so that's one area that's going to go really really big <clears throat> then the third area where you can uh, look at application of ai is personalized communication like when a crisis hits you know you start getting lot of queries from multiple stakeholders. Now, how do you manage that? How do you rate that which one is more, more priority? How do you personalize those communication that is going out? Suppose a person, if, if there has been a chemical spill, the locals around the factory would want to know what is the evacuation plan. Sure. Your investor would want to know that what is your plan. So how do you, in real time, talk to both of them? Yep. So just imagine if you can automate that process where constantly some local is asking you some question or the other, you're you're really freeing up a lot of your time that you can now sure. focus and dedicate yep. to more strategic issues, right? And, and uh, yeah, the third thing would be like automating, which is related to what I said, personalized communication and automating response. And yep. all this things kind of amalgates into and results into better decision sure. making. Yeah. It really helps you in improving your decision making. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I know there's some technology has been doing it for a little while, while now. I know there's a company over here um, in the States called OnSolve. Uh, they're certainly one of our partners at the conference, uh, the International Crisis Management Conference. And they've been doing that for a little a little while now where they, they're using the backbone of AI to to generate reports based on, you know, information that you put in as a, you know, as a starting point, if you will, around your operations, around your people, what, whatever it may be in terms of your content concerns uh and i know that's certainly um you know a tool that's been w well received within the marketplace over the last um you know i think i've, I've seen it for a couple of years now um but um what, what i really like here your, your first point there so we do a lot of crisis management exercises and um 
what we find is communications is always a challenge, right? It's always a challenge getting on the same page. It's always a challenge, the messaging. What are we going to say and when are we going to say it, right? Uh, and so often we will see, or not often, but sometimes we'll see a crisis communications plans with preset messages for different issues, right? Or those core issues that you may you may come up against. And we'll see those messages obviously then have to get tweaked, right, to, to then go out. But you can't cover every concept conceivable scenario that could be, you know, that could hit your organization, right? So that application there, you know, and, and being able to utilize that for, um, you know, key messaging in those fast paced events or any type of event where you need to come up uh, and analyze what's going on uh, and the different stakeholders, right? So a message for one stakeholder, you know, although the core pieces may be the same, is going to be different to a different stakeholders, such as, you know, uh, your employees versus your customers, right? Right, right. But here also, I'll just point it out, uh, Robert, human intervention is really, really important. Like at the end of the day, it's algorithm and it's machine. And right. here I like to flag a few of the drawbacks of AI. So one of the drawbacks is like, um, you know, when uh, it's, it's a machine, it can have glitches and it can throw up really inappropriate uh, messages to your stakeholders yeah. and if it does that then the crisis can snowball into something else now second and what really really um, was a kind of shocker for me like you would imagine ai being a technology being algorithm based to be very transparent and very open right but uh, I spoke to many uh, tech experts and according to them, AI algorithms can be really complex. Yep. And the scary part is it can be opaque. So there are times when you can't really pinpoint that based on what data set the AI predicted something. Yeah. So you see the scary part over yep. here that you don't know the AI throws some predictions at you, but you don't know based on what it decided that, right? Right, right. Um, and the second thing that is there is you are feeding, see, the quality of output in AI, in generative AI, will depend on the quality of input. Right. Now, if <laughs> your AI has been reading all your cliched press releases where you have used the same right. statement that yeah. we are committed to health and safety and your plan goes up in flames right, so yeah. the existing text will only amplify those biases sure. it cannot auto correct unless you prompt it too right so those biases would be amplified the third thing that i hear in a lot of discussion that you can't teach ai empathy empathy yeah, is something I, that is really yeah i've heard that recently yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But I would like to differ here. You can actually train AI in empathy. You can give keywords and you can really kind of manipulate that behavior. But what you can't teach is emotional intelligence. Right. Like when I'm smiling at you, you know I'm happy. But if I'm teary-eyed and I'm saying, Robert, I'm fine, you know something is amiss. So that hum human emotional intelligence is lacking in AI. 
And as it's a technology, safety and security, privacy issue will always, always be a concern. Yep. And AI is like open source, chat GPT is uh, open platform. So there'll be a lot of issues around privacy and safety sure. as a lot of people start using it. Yeah. And um, here I would like to share a very interesting story that I read about how AI in a polycrisis scenario can actually wreak havoc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> so there is this credit uh, scoring agency, FICO, which uh, really, which helps bank in their debit card in mitigating their debit card and credit card uh, frauds, Fair Isaac Court. So in the early days of the pandemic, what happened was there was a sudden lockdown. People can't go to grocery store. Yep. There's a surge in online shopping. People are buying basic groceries and everything online. Now FICO uses an AI the AI saw a certain surge in online transactions and it started alerting the bank to decline those transactions. Oh, these were legitimate transactions. Right. So the crisis could have been averted because the bank at the back end had their own analyst and they kind of uh, averted the crisis. But imagine during a pandemic, if hundreds and hundreds of legitimate transactions declined, where people are really scrambling to get their hands onto basic toilet paper, what sort of crisis it would have right. really caused. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, AI, you know, we shouldn't come to a point where we are completely relying on AI because AI can go absolutely mad and it can cause a lot <laughs> of errors. So that's why, you know, those who say that, oh, AI will replace humans, it's never going to do that at least in near term, because you'll constantly need that human intervention, human monitoring, and human prompts. Yep, excellent. Well, this is this is fascinating. Uh, I do want to move on now, though. I, I know in your early introduction, you, you were talking about risk warning uh, in terms of uh, response, in terms of uh, automating that piece. Um, you know, you, you've you've been involved in that throughout um, your your career so far. Um, how can AI be applied to risk warning uh, and, of course, you know, response uh, automating responses? You, you know, you mentioned the, the, uh, a little uh, example of how. <laughs> How it went wrong for, for the that banking example there so but how can it be used in a positive manner right so that's you know risk warning and risk response is a billion dollar industry in the making oh. because that's the <clears throat> area all the large corporations all the big innovation center all the big universities are focusing on and spending a lot of money on how AI can be used, not only in crisis, but also in disaster management. Mm -hmm. So far in my discussion, I've been focusing on corporate side of crisis management. But if we now open up the discussion to include disaster response and disaster management as well, it's a huge, huge opportunity. Now there, again, there are four or five areas where AI can be used. One is the favorite thing that I spoke about, predictive analytics, like predicting before the crisis hits. Now, if we are, um, you know, one of my very early memories of how early warning system and how predictions can really avert crisis 
was a cyclone Phailan that hit the east coast of India, Orissa. Now that was a major cyclone. And because there were early warning, 1.2 million people were evacuated. Mm -hmm. 30,000 animals were, were relocated overnight. So that was one of the massive evacuation drive and it was made possible because of early warning system. So now with AI tools, imagine what you can do. Sure. At that time, there were no AI tools in 2013. But now with this AI tools at your disposal, you can really predict and create early warning systems. Yep. Like you can have flood, flood predictions. You can have AI powered tool that can look at water levels. It can look at weather forecast, soil erosions, and with all the data put together, it can actually uh, give early warnings around floods. And actually, World Economic Forum is working on a project, FireAid project, where they are using AI to map wildfires. And they are looking at AI and how to uh, manage the rescue operation, how to, they are creating a risk map around wildfires. Mm -hmm. So as we speak, it's already happening. So it's not something that will happen sure. in your future, something that is really, really happening around early warning system. Yep. That's one area. Second area is search and rescue. If we are talking about disaster management. Now, when we talk about search and rescue, we have seen recently the Turkey-Syria earthquake. Yep and how it is challenging for rescue and aid providers to reach at the location. Now, already there are AI tools being deployed to help aid workers, humanitarian workers on ground. So there is one AI tool which is still a work in progress. It's Xview 2, which is an open source project developed by the Pentagon Defense Innovation Unit and Carnegie Mellon University Software Engineering Unit that is being used in Syria and Turkey to actually map where rescue operations should be focused, which all are the areas where aid is required, where you should channel your humanitarian workers. And again, closely related to this, your whole uh, disaster response planning, like during a disaster, which all are the areas? How do you know which all are the areas that needs immediate rescue operations? Mm -hmm. Which all are the areas where you need to reach medical supplies at the earliest, right? right? And also resource allocation. And most importantly, coordination and communication during a crisis, yep. which applies to both corporate crisis management and disaster management. Yep. Now imagine, um, if you could create a chatbot using AI and that could tell the responders as well as people affected, they can dial in and ask that, okay, which all are the safe zones where I can find food, where I can find medical facilities. And sure. this is something that some of the governments have really uh, worked around with during the pandemic. They tried to create multilingual chatbots using AI who can answer questions around vaccination, questions around uh, which all are the hot zones, which all are the, when are the uh, strict COVID regulations have been lifted. So these are some of the very fascinating areas where AI can be really, really used. Yep. 
that's you know some excellent points here um and you know i, I love the early warning parts um I, I love going back a little bit further to your emotional intelligence piece um that he can't pick up on that um and there's a story uh, i just listened to on i think it was a business news channel here in north america um where a reporter um was you know spending several hours on one of the ai systems um and the ai said you know i, I want to take you on a date and the reporter said no i'm married and the ai said well i don't really care about your wife you know it's you know what about me uh, and then he he just said he just couldn't believe and he, he asked it to stop and it wouldn't stop and he, and he and so he was he would ask it more questions about the subject that he was talking about and he would go back to what about us well let's talk about us and it just took a whole turn in a, in a, in a you know pretty bad direction and uh, it was quite fascinating to listen to this reporter who um you know again like yourself has done a lot of work uh in, in the field of ai and uh and it was quite an quite an interesting uh story that uh, uh that this uh, took a turn for the worse i think it was may have been a microsoft um may have been something to do with microsoft and that new plugin that they have uh yeah. with their uh, with their browser anyway i i digress slightly um i, I do want to move on uh because we've got a couple of more important uh, topics to cover before we wrap up um what's the future of ai for crisis managers I think for crisis managers across the world I would say hey you have a new coworker <laughs> yeah right yeah. <laughs> right that's a good, that's a great way to put it a new coworker yeah. <laughs> so either you can crib and sulk about your new coworker or you can really be pals and learn from each other's strengths and try to work around or create a system where both of you can leverage each other's strengths so it's the fact that you can't really ignore ai so ai is here to stay but for crisis communication managers as well as trainers it's it's really a great tool now before i get into that i'll share a funny story again and it reminded me when you shared the story that for every technology you know the applications are diverse and people find a very different way of leveraging the technology that it's not meant for right <laughs> they <laughs> so should, yeah they sure I do yeah i recently read someone's post on um, linkedin where he said that he asked chat gpt to type a legal notice to a client who was not paying him for 3 months and surprisingly chat gpt did that and he sent that mail and the client paid up and it saved him 100 dollars on the lawyer lawyer right. fees yeah yeah now whether it's ethical unethical i'm not getting into that part but <laughs> it's a new way of using it that right. he discovered that hey i can use it for that so like that uh, you know i feel that there are multiple applications for crisis trainers one of the uh, applications we already spoke about is the early warning and predictive analytics how we can leverage it better the second application is creating crisis scenarios yeah for your simulation exercises yeah. now this is very very important because um, i would say robert in last 2 years 2 to 3 years a lot of things have changed earlier when i would meet clients the com of the organization would say that hey my ceo is a veteran he is an expert in talking 
to the media. So can you just wrap it up in two hours? He doesn't need any simulation and exercise. But now, you see the recent report, there's a recent report by the conference board C-Suite Outlook, where CEOs across the globe, they have surveyed six, 70 CEOs across the globe, where half of them has said that their organization is not prepared to manage risk and crisis. Now, that's a huge number coming after a pandemic when you are expected to be prepared for everything. Yep. So that's one area. Yeah, you know, we can really, really utilize creating multiple scenarios for training. And like I was mentioning, we are living in a polycrisis environment. Earlier in crisis training, we would have one, um, one dynamic uh, variable. We'll have two variables. We'll have three variables. But now with AI tool, you can put multiple variables at the same time. So it creates a, a more... Um, you know, real-time experience for the executives. And trust me, unless the executive is on the hot seat, he's, unless he's sweating, unless his pulse is racing, he can't be trained enough for crisis because those are the situations you are going to face and those are the situations under which you have to make a decision. So I think simulation, crisis simulation, experience media training is going to go big. People would like to learn more about it um, because even a recent training, uh, recent report by BCI said that most of the executives blame people and their staff for the uh, miscommunication in their crisis activation plan. Right. So if people are to be <clears throat> blamed, people are to be trained. Right. <clears throat> And they have to be trained in real time and in real situations. You can't have a classroom where you're just discussing the theories. Sure. It's gone are the days. Now you have to use AI tools. You have to simulate those scenarios. You have to create those situations for executives to really, really be prepared. Sure. So that's uh, another area like... Uh, you know, around this uh, crisis simulation, I have been uh, interacting with ChatGPT and other uh, generative AIs, and I have been asking them and giving them prompts, like suppose I'm a CEO, and I say there has been a chemical spill or a blast in my factory, and my comment is no comment. So how and how will you, as a reporter with a mainline daily, would interpret how, as a reporter with a regional publication who has been writing very negative stories about me and who last wrote a story of how irresponsible and risky our plant is, will write the story. And you'll be fascinated by the difference. So I'm using those inputs to create interactive videos, you know? Like when I'm sitting with a CEO, I'm giving him the option, okay, so what will be your option? Mm-hmm. Would you say no? comment would you say this and if we choose abc i said okay you chose c now see if you chose c how the reporter has interpreted that c your answer yeah, yeah. so that's really real time where um, the executive and the people can see that okay they say this this is what it is sure. and another interesting and fascinating aspect of ai in training is that you can measure you no longer have to really 
rely on executives giving them their feedback right. that I rate this training on a scale of one to ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> now there are tools you can monitor, you can feed in all the parameters, you can feed into AI that monitor the heart rate, monitor this, monitor that, monitor body language. You can go to as granular level as possible yep. and you can get those data real time. Sure. And when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about AI and not ChatGPT because ChatGPT is still, uh, you know, very limited in its capabilities. Yes. Yep. And it's not a real time thing. It's still right. the data is up to 2021. So this is, I'm talking about AI that you can really use in your application sure. and integrate into your system. Yep. Right? And then again, the automatic automated response system. That's something that I, when I talk to a lot of uh, media person these days, that's one thing they are dabbling with a lot. Like, how do I create a press release? How do I create a holding statement yep. using AI? Now, these are still very early days and AI is still learning. And like I said, uh, AI is reading, like, uh, even though you want to avoid that, AI is still reading the worst interviews. Like, AI is still reading BPCO saying, I want my life back. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. AI is still on those data. So it will give you output based on those data. So there yep. could be a lot of... Uh, um, you know, errors in that and you will still need to work with AI for some time for it to come up to a level where you can um, really trust the AI. And again, creation of chatbots for your communication, internal communication. So these are some of the areas uh, where crisis communication and crisis managers can use and leverage AI. And overall, you know, if you are a crisis manager, it gives you a lot of situational awareness. Suppose you are leading a team, um, an organization which is into chemical manufacturing, there is a chemical spill, or there is a fire in your plant. All the AI data, the videos, everything is giving you real-time information. Sure. There is no lag. Yeah. You don't have to wait for one hour for the plant in charge to give you that information for you to interpret that information it's sure. all happening real time you yep. are seeing that video the ai is interpreting that data simultaneously and it's giving you some prompts that you can work on yep okay well th this is uh this has been excellent i i do want to just i before we do wrap up and uh, i do have to get going of course um here in about 10 minutes but uh um i just want to touch on two points <clears throat> going back to uh your comment earlier on uh with regards to um of course you know it's still new it's still evolving it's uh it doesn't get it right all the time and of course you know there are all there are people behind it <laughs> right <laughs> and we still have to protect you know the information uh one, one thing that comes up in conversations here is privacy right so you know when you start to search for whatever you're searching for of course then you're putting out you know information on what you're looking for um, as an individual or as part of an organization so i know uh, certainly that comes up in, in conversations when there's you know there's privacy concerns uh, around the data that you're looking to collect uh, the the other part of it was um, when we do scenario of course we've looked at it from a scenario planning standpoint because we're prepared x and and that's what we do prepared Yes. through exercises right so and when we started to look at it 
it was it was great for general scenarios. So, you know, give me a scenario for a storm <clears throat> coming up the East Coast or give me a, a scenario for, you know, a generic ransomware attack, which is fine. It's, it's, it's a great conversation starter. Right. But it doesn't get into the nuances of scenario planning within a business. So what chat what chat GDP or the other you know uh, AI systems don't do is they don't know your internal plans, processes, networks, procedures, names of databases. They don't know where you know any of that information uh, lies, and they can't access that information unless you've got obviously something internal. Uh, which you know I, I see I see some organizations potentially going down that path of having their own in house system, right? And, and that makes sense um, if if they want to go down that path. So at this moment in time, what we've found is it, it's it's fine um, if you know uh, if you if you're going into a school or a college and you want to talk you know generally about you know the way storms happen and where the way they unfold and, and that type of um, scenario planning again for any topic really of course uh, but beyond that we we get into really detailed scenario planning for because that's what matters in terms of engaging your customers engaging the audience that you're presenting to but also you know you want to make sure that you're you're um, you know you're getting the right feedback from them uh, in terms of yes that is my system and it's not just a generic powerpoint that we pulled off the internet that was created from um from ai so so i think there's some uh, there's some you know there's still there's still a world for those scenario planners out there um that do it to the level of detail that we certainly do it and again that there's a space for it for sure even right now if you if you're looking for generic scenario planning if you will but again that's just based on our our research that we've done Right. Uh, and I think I'll just add a small point to your observation, Robert. You're absolutely right. Like, I tried doing it with ChatGPT. I tried doing it with uh, multiple other AI platforms. And honestly, those are very generic scenarios that they will throw up. And you're absolutely bang on when you said a lot of organizations are now looking at having their internal systems, which is what I was mentioning that, you know, in few years, AI would be integrated into the crisis management system. That's what organizations are looking at. And you rightly pointed out that privacy is an issue. Organizations are worried about privacy. And, um, you know, any kind of geopolitical risk would mean the systems can get hacked. So, So no one wants to risk that on an open platform. Right. They would want to really use one aspect of the AI, see try, how they can... Try and protect it, yes, as much yeah. as they can. Yeah, right, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. And again, you know, just another uh, another risk to, to consider... Um, consider as well um well this is this has absolutely been fascinating um and uh, we could co- we could continue all day uh, and i do want to collaborate with you on some other stuff which we can talk about uh, after we wrap up the show here but um as we wrap up here any final comments for our listeners as well how can they get a hold of you if they want to reach out and uh, connect with you right I would say like as uh, my uh, summing up, if I have to sum up this whole conversation and what I feel about AI, I would say AI has tremendous scope and opportunity. It's a powerful tool and how it will benefit you is the way how you will use it. So it's directly related to that. So you have to find ways how you want to leverage it. You can use it for predictive analytics. You can use it for automating your response. Trainers can use it for creating simulation exercises, 
disaster managers can use it for early warning system. Governments are already using it for search, rescue, and operations during disaster. So there are multiple use case for AI. And as crisis managers, I feel that it's time to level up your skills on AI yep. and not only depend on chat GPT. Yep. Don't get carried away. It's just one small part of this large universe called AI. <laughs> so don't get carried away by that. It can only do limited things. Sure. It's a good starting point for you, but you have to level up and you have to learn about AI. Like I said, AI is here to stay. And those who are going to be the early movers are the one who are going to be at the forefront of innovation. Yep. And at the forefront of mitigating crisis and risks. Sure. I think I'll uh, leave on that. And uh, I am active on LinkedIn and I do keep sharing my experience and my learnings on LinkedIn. So if anyone wants to uh, know more about my work or want to reach out to me, they can uh, look for me on LinkedIn. Great, perfect. And we'll add, we'll add your uh, LinkedIn uh, public profile link uh, into the show notes uh, from this uh, on, on our website. And of course, the podcast goes out to all the different uh, podcast avenues. So uh, fantastic. I really appreciate your time today. Um, uh, you know, have the rest of the rest of your evening. I hope it's wonderful. And uh, I do want to collaborate with you again on some more AI related crisis preparedness uh, content. And uh, obviously, we'll be we'll be in touch about that. Thanks very much. Right. Thank you so much, Robert. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on this podcast. You're welcome. Well, uh, that wraps up uh, episode 115 of the Prepared X podcast. I encourage you to rate us on iTunes if you're listening on any of the other outlets. Of course, rate us wherever you uh, find us and, and share this po important podcast with your network. It was a fantastic episode. Until next time, have a safe and productive day. Thank you, everyone. Mm -hmm.